Yeah, I got her. <laughs> Hashtag Gong Gang. Mm-hmm. Hi, honey. Hey, how you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> right, are you going to be able to step away from Twitter for long enough to learn something about the Bible? What? First of all, you're the one um, that's learning about the Bible. No. No, I'm going to be teaching you about the Bible. You ready to learn about the Bible? Yes, honey. I am ready to learn about the Bible. Okay. So as all of you know, last week we pretty much, um, we have uh, Isaiah uh, setting up the intro to Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, Isaiah wasn't doing it. You, know, you got molasses that's in power and everything like that. And then comes Isaiah. And here he comes. Isaiah says that Judah was double backhanded by God like a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> Isaiah then foretells of John the Baptist because he is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Then he claims that um, they will all see God's dick soon. I don't know why they're going to (laughs) be looking at his dick, but apparently that's... That's not what it says. That is exactly verbatim what it says. Then Isaiah talks about God blowing a lot of people in a field. I don't know why God has kidnapped a bunch of people and put them in a field and then started viciously blowing them, but apparently that's one particular channel on Pornhub... (laughs) God is going to come really hard and rule with a massive pimp hand. Oh, also, P.S., God loves it when you scream. (laughs) Isaiah reminds everybody that God has unlimited power, so you really can't stop all this shit from happening, right? Um, God is the almighty dick slayer. I knew you were going to put that in there. All nations are worthless and vulnerable right now. And it's all because of his massive dick-slaying ability. Idolatry will only get you pimp slap across the face by God, so there's no point in doing it. And of course, unless you like being pimp slapped by God. God then describes himself as a Santa Claus that's getting a blowjob and that he wants you to look him directly in the eyes. What? I actually see how you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Not what it says, but I do see how you got there. Isaiah claims that God will give uh, all the men strength for a price. God is in control of everything, and no nations are going to overcome that. Israel is God's bitch. Once again. In scene. Finn, thank you. <laughs> Less than five minutes today. Uh-huh. We're on it, guys. We're done with this Bible study. I no, mean, we're not. We're not. What? No, we're going to actually go through it. Huh? Yeah, you know, like we do every week. I verbatim no. referenced everything in here. No, this actually says nothing about a dick slayer or Santa Claus or... I mean, it kind of does bitch slapping, but not like that. <laughs> so... We're, we're just, we're going to go through it. All right, fine. Okay. What's up, heathens? How, How y'all, y'all doing? doing? So we're going to be going through the Bible. Yep. We got some Jesus stuff today. I'll yes. definitely pipe in when there's Jesus stuff. <laughs> Apparently I was wrong about the Dick Slayer thing and the Santa Claus. Well being blown while you look at him yeah 
That's yeah. actually a really creepy scene. It is a really creepy scene. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but today we're going to be going over Isaiah 40 and part of 41, I believe 1 through 10. Yes. So Isaiah 40, the whole thing, and Isaiah 41, 1 through 10. All right. And if you remember last time, we kind of set up, this is one of 10 of a series of, in, of uh, basically Isaiah, where he, it's his prophecies about restoration and the Messiah. Okay. Um, and as you know, God has, is fucking them up, right? He's fucking them up hardcore for shit they did wrong. Manasseh has made a mess up and we're, we're, He's he's going to he's prophesying that these people are going to be OK. God's going to fix it. I mean, God does have several hundred years of like practice with fucking them up. Yeah, he does. That's true. So are you ready to start? Yep. All righty. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So he, Isaiah is saying here that there's going to come this point where the the punishment is going to be over. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I do think it's interesting that she's, that she as in um, Jerusalem or uh, not just Jerusalem, Judea, um, Judah (laughs) has (laughs) that Judah has uh, received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So I guess that made him feel better. Maybe like they deserved more. So they got twice the bitch slapping. But that's um, what happens. So uh, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Right. So um, the whole a voice of one calling um, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's an allusion to John the Baptist that comes later. Well, I guess technically John the Baptist references um, the prophet Isaiah um, later on in, mm-hmm. in the Gospels. So uh, John the Baptist is seen as a prefigure, um, you know, to Jesus. And uh, it, that's so prevalent in the Gospels that even in um, in Luke, they do an extensive background on John the Baptist. Um, that's like the pretty much the entire first chapter of, of Luke. Um, Matthew also has uh, important John the Baptist stuff in it. So John the Baptist and Jesus are kind of seen as the Elisha and Elijah, but Jesus is the major prophet that comes, and so he kind of is the amalgamation of all the prophets, including John the Baptist. Yeah, this section is interpreted as a, a, a prophecy of the coming Messiah, so of Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All the and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. I believe that section is specifically to... Alluding to Jesus. Yes. Also, before we get deeper into this chap, this Bible study, keep in mind that anytime there's the word of the Lord, 
there's a subtle nuance there because if the word of the Lord takes a physical form, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. But if he's talking about the word of the Lord as in what the Lord actually says, that's not necessarily Jesus. So, Well, they also, they make a distinction in the book. When they're talking about just words as if him speaking, W is lowercase. Right. And when they say the word of the Lord as talking about Jesus, they up, word W is is uppercase. Right. Because it would be like an actual title or mm -hmm. a noun. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going to get into the section talking about the fragility of life. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All the all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. So I think basically what he's trying to say is that people, humans, plants, all life, essentially, it comes and goes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it is not everlasting. But God's word endures forever. I'm not sure exactly how God's word would endure if there were no humans to, like, teach it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> like, if humans were all of a sudden gone and Bibles were gone. Right. If well, the earth was destroyed, mm -hmm. the word of God would be lost. It would be gone. Well, now, is this an... In uh, but the word of the Lord is enduring forever. The uh, word of our God. The word of our God. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think that I feel like this is very much an allusion to to Jesus here, at least in in uh, one particular aspect of it. Not that, not specifically that Jesus is, because it's a lowercase w in this situation. So it's the actual word of God, but. Um, the idea of, you know, the, the word of the Lord living forever kind of makes me think about how Jesus, it, you know, he resurrected and he lives forever. Mm -hmm. Like he's considered to be living now to a lot of Christians. Yeah, I think I, I understand your connection there. That's not what this is saying specifically, but I get I totally get the connection. Oh, yeah. Well, I like I said, it's not about Jesus living forever here, but just the general concept of God's mm -hmm. word. God endures his, forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point that they're making is that life is fragile. Life mm -hmm. here is fragile. We're fragile. Plants are fragile. Animals are fragile. But God endures forever mm -hmm. is essentially what they're getting at you who bring good news to zion go up on a high mountain you who bring good news to jerusalem lift up your voice with a shout lift it up do not be afraid say to the towns of judah here is your god see the sovereign lord uh, see the sovereign lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I, f I find this section quite interesting because it talks about how God is there and he, he's powerful and he will protect them. He will hold them close. He loves them. He's gentle with them, but like he's legit just fucked them up super hard. Oh so yeah, this he, is just <laughs> he just spent several, several years like totally just, fucking with them. Yeah, it's just it's really hard for me to understand like the stuff that we've read about other prophecies from Isaiah where he's like, "Hey, y'all fucked up, and God is seriously gonna fuck you up." Like 
so bad you're not even going to know what happened and also most all of you are going to die and there's just going to be a little little remnant left like (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, well yeah but also the imagery here of a shepherd Mm -hmm. i mean that's the exact imagery that she used for Jesus later. Mm-hmm. Uh, shepherd, uh, he tends his flock like a shepherd. That's definitely words that Christians use now for Jesus mm-hmm. and gathers the lambs in his arm, the lamb of God. That is a big thing. Um, well, yeah, that I think that's more about sacrificial lambs, like, uh, you know, gathering up the lambs and, you know, you sacrifice lambs to God um, as an offering. Not here. No, 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 not saying right here that's what it is. I'm saying like the the whole Lamb of God thing kind of deal. The the Jesus' sacrifice uh, was um, in replacement of the Yom Kippur uh, ritual, which is where... Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. I was thinking more of how um, Jesus, like, I don't know, have you seen the um, statues of Jesus where he's holding a lamb? Yeah. And like it's, it's... that's not a lamb to be sacrificed in that, in that, that's what I was envisioning. And that's not a lamb to be sacrificed. Well, no, so no, no. That's his, that's one of his flock that he's holding. So I, but I agree with what you're saying. It's just, I, it took me a second to recalibrate cause that's not what I was thinking about. So yeah, I, t- I agree with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that they is. use. Yes. Uh, but, but he's also a shepherd of all of the others. Yeah. Kind of thing. So th- this imagery right here, I feel like, was probably mined by the first century Jewish Christians mm-hmm. to give them an idea of how to characterize Jesus. And because Jesus would have definitely used this kind of imagery because it's talking about God, you know, being a, a shepherd and everything like that and caring for his flock. And that's exactly what Jesus does. It, yeah. It just God does it after he... Fucks him up and kills him up everybody. <laughs> yeah. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighs the... <laughs> Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. I don't have a sound for scales. (laughs) Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? So this section. Fucking nobody. That's who taught the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> for for this section, they're kind of point Isaiah is pointing out that God is the ultimate. Uh, you know, he's basically saying there is no one above God who has taught him anything. No, he's not consulted anybody. Um, he he didn't get his knowledge from anyone. Um, no one is his counselor. No one can fathom his mind. He is the ultimate, is basically what this this section is talking about. Yeah, but how do you know he's the ultimate? Just seems like an ad hoc baseless claim. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) fair. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. So 
he doesn't care about any of the nations of the earth. Um, I mean, of course, except for Israel, right? Well, I mean, it's really weird because, like, just earlier in the Old Testament, God really cared about the other nations of the earth. Like, he cared enough to tell the Israelites to go and, like, completely slaughter them and take their women oh, and children. I mean, that's that's kind of his point. The, the other the the other nations are not essentially not worthy. They're not worthy. They're nothing, and so they're vulnerable to his his power. Because he doesn't regard them as anything. I mean, is Israel and Judah not vulnerable to God's power? Well, yes, but in another way. And we're, <laughs> we're actually going to get to how he separates out. In, in an anal, more more of an anal way. <laughs> no. No? No. Oh, damn. Let's, let's continue. So... <laughs> With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. So this section is talking about how idolatry is essentially futile like this is this is something that humans do and a person goes to a human and a human makes it and it's of humanity and it's not it doesn't matter right although it matters a lot to him so if god bent over and shot out a statue of himself would that be an idol why no no because that's well i mean a man didn't make it no so god's colon did (laughs) point the point is that basically idolatry is futile because it's it's a made by man thing and it's doesn't matter right I, yeah i got it i got it but i was just trying to be funny here's what i would argue it says here uh to what image will you liken him as for an idol, a metal worker casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it so when I read this, I thought about how Christians have images for God. They, it, the biggest one most people can think of as far as a symbol for God, symbol for Christianity, is the cross. For Catholicism, it's a crucifix, so Jesus is on it, right? But they, um, you know, they have this image, right? The image they liken mm-hmm. to him, an image they don't think God is a cross, but it's an image they use to sim, you know, for sim- symbolizing him. Um, metal workers make them, goldsmiths overlay them, woodworkers carve them. Uh, they fashion silver chains for them and wear them around their necks. Mm-hmm. They build big ass motherfucking crosses on the sides of the highway. Um, they, you know what I mean? Like they have, uh, they, they have statues and every, every imaginable thing that you can think of that has a cross or a baby Jesus or something related to Christianity on it. And I'm wondering how is this different? How is this not idolatry? Well, it's Jesus. But it's the same thing. No, no, no. I'm in agreement with you. They also don't keep slaves anymore, but... 
I'm just I'm just saying like yeah the, this right here is definitely a good um, a good verse to use against people wearing you know religious jewelry and like building the crosses and everything like that because those are definitely idols. Well, and the thing is, is that I wonder how I wonder how this hasn't surely Christians along the way have asked that question. I, I would imagine because even though the Bible doesn't say that it's not okay when you do it to other gods, but it's okay when you do it for me. doesn't Mm -hmm. say that it's idolatry is wrong. And so if they're doing idolatry in honor to him, that still seems like it would be wrong. Yeah. Well, isn't there a um, commandment that's about not making any kind of graven images? Well, so there's a commandment about not making idols and that, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what Isaiah is talking about here. I mean, he's reinforcing the second commandment. You shall not make any idols. And I mean, that's exactly what he's talking about. It, yeah. And if it I'm not I'm not certain that it says false idols. No. I, I don't believe it says fault like I, or idols to false gods. It just says don't make idols. Right. So and Isaiah reinforces it. It's uh, the whole idolatry thing is reinforced throughout the entire Old Testament. So this is not new shit. But I just wonder why they believe that it's okay because maybe they just definitely don't see it as idolatry, but I'm not sure how they don't. Idolatry uh, is defined as extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. That's what idolatry is. Except when it's this God, because then it's not idolatry. (laughs) No other idolatry is technically what he meant, but mm-hmm. he didn't have enough words on the stone tablet. Yeah. Or in the rest of the time he was fucking up the Israelites. Well, and you, <laughs> and you know, it's it's interesting because this is not just an Old Testament phenomenon, the whole idolatry thing. Mm-hmm. The New Testament inherits its attitude um, toward idolatry from the OT. So well, yeah. they feel the exact same way about it. Idolatry is a it's it's a it's one of the major sins, right? Yeah. Um and so it confuses me a little bit that Christians don't see this as idolatry. And I and I do wonder what their I guess apologetic is for this because I feel like they would need one. Well, like I said, I mean it's just sort of a baseless ad hoc assertion that God only meant like graven images or Id- idols of other things. Yeah. Not him. It doesn't say that, though. Yeah. Oh, no. It, d- it technically doesn't say that, but that's mm-hmm. how they get around it. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to move on? Please. Okay. So let's talk about how strong God is. You ready? Oh, he has got the dick strength of 10 men. <laughs> Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So, ooh, yeah, you're a big bad man. <laughs> oh, yes, big bad guy. Scary. <laughs> Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint." So basically, this section is talking about how people will garner strength mm -hmm. from God. Like you, you are weak. God is strong. But don't worry, because God will give you his strength. Yeah. So this was actually how I was taught as a Catholic child that God answers prayers. Mm -hmm. Like you can't like I was taught that you can't ask God for like physical things. Uh -huh. Like you can't ask God to help you get a job, you know, or give you, or give you a job rather, mm -hmm. or give you something. But what God can do is give you the strength to do something or mm -hmm. give you the, uh, like the emotional strength or whatever kind of strength mm -hmm. to do something. He can give you the fortitude. You right. know, this, this is one thing that I think that religious people, um, have that atheists or non-religious people don't necessarily they have this idea in their mind that if they ask for god ask god to give them strength to deal with a tragedy or you know something that they feel like they can't handle on their own or they need help with they have this idea of a not a person but this idea of a being that will always be there to help them and if they just ask god for strength that god will give them the strength now this is comforting in kind of a way because then you can feel like you're not alone or you can feel like somebody's going to help you somebody is going to help you get through this but as non-religious people we don't really have that you know what i mean mm-hmm like, it's, it's not something that we can rely on. We can't take comfort in this. Um, so that's one thing that they, they do have. Now, is it real? No. Um, I believe it was in the show Angel, like the Buffy and Angel. Mm -hmm. I believe it was in Angel. And, uh, gosh, Illyria, I think, is the character who was dying. And she looked at Wes er, and she asked him, because they had had this conversation previously about um, her lying to him about being um, Fred. And this is if you haven't seen this, you're not going to get it. But any in any case, Illyria is a... a supernatural being that took over a, the body of a human fred a woman mm -hmm. it was a, fred is a woman um and fred and wes were in a relationship well so now Illyria took over fred and fred is gone and so when wes when wes is dying sorry it's when wes is dying and Illyria says do you want me to lie to you now 
because he told her not to look like Fred because she would look like Fred. She would make herself look like mm-hmm. Fred instead of like she looks. And so he told her not to do it. So then when he was dying, she said, do you want me to lie to you now? And so it that it's it reminds me of that because it's it's a beautiful lie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 this thing. It brings you comfort and peace when you need when you feel like that's what you need. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that they have that we don't necessarily. Not true, but I also feel like I feel like the the comfortable lie that they tell themselves in order to cope with it. Uh-huh. I feel like that only buries things deeper, and it makes it a lot harder to actually work past it. And because I think that sometimes it the it can cover up things like really well, and you could possibly not have any kind of issue with it later in life. Sometimes that'll happen, but I think that. Um, s- some other times that it just pushes it deeper and it's unresolved and that is expressed in different ways. I do agree that it can absolutely lead to you not actually processing or working through grief or I, I do, I do believe that that can happen. Absolutely. It can, it can, it can lead to you not actually, uh, dealing with your problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Are we ready to continue? Yes. Now that I totally effed up, I'm so sorry for any Angel fans out there. <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> West dies. I didn't. Um, that was kind of, I just thought of that while I was sitting here talking. I was like, oh, that reminds me of Illyria going, do you want me to lie to you now? And then it took a lot more than I realized to explain it. Anyway. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. They help each other and say to their companions, be strong. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith and the one who smooths with a hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the wield of the welding, it is good. The other nails down the idol so it will not topple. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, You descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Although it kind of seems like you have a little bit. Oh, yes. He's definitely. (laughs) I mean, he's definitely rejected them in the past. Like, I'm fairly certain that we've gone over recently how God rejected uh, either Israel or Judah or both of them. Yeah, both. So, yeah, motherfucker, you're lying. (laughs) So, let's see. Reminds me of that. Why the fuck you lying? (laughs) So, do not fear, for I am with you. Which I think this line is really ridiculous, because the whole thing that God rules on is fear. Be afraid of me, I'll fuck you up if you don't do what I say. But hey. Don't be afraid of me, guys. Don't be afraid. I don't know why y'all got to be so scared. Quit pissing your pants. I'm with you. Why are you in the corner? Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. <laughs> I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, yes. That righteous right hand who has been, <laughs> <laughs> he has been working that motherfucker for hundreds of years. <laughs> So that's actually all for today. That's where we're going to end. Oh, we're going to end on his righteous right hand. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Yep. It's the hand he holds his glory in. Yeah. So next time we're going to be in episode two of this section, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how, well, Isaiah is going to prophesy about how um, the people in Judah have nothing to fear. 
also weird, that their needs will be provided for, that idols, that we're going to be reminded, idols cannot provide for you and that false prophets fail. Um, we're also going to have more Messiah talk and how the Messiah is going to bring justice. Mm-hmm. And there will be a new kingdom for all. Right. And then he's going to give them a preview of God's plans. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff next time on the Bible. On the Bible. Well, <laughs> if you guys want to hear more about God's fearful love, then um, join us next time. I mean, it. see, I'm rather confused by it, just like KC is, this whole fear me, love me kind of, it's like kind of a hot cold Well, thing. it's fear me, don't fear me. Right. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see you guys next time. Don't forget to smash that like button and subscribe if you like uh, Bible podcasts like this. And as always, stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye, y'all. <laughs>